I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 192 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. Sitting here, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to sit in here with a legend. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. That's why I did it. I had to do it on purpose. But yeah. come on, man. Dan Lilka, I mean, off the top of my head. I know I'm going to fuck up, and this is in no particular order, bro. Okay. You got... Nuclear Assault, S.O.D., Brutal Truth, Exit 13, Hemlock, Venomous Concept, Crucifist, Anthrax, The Ravenous, Autopsy, fuck it, one of my favorite band names ever, Extra Hot Sauce. Are you reading <laughs> off a piece of paper? I'm not. The only thing I have is my patrons that I have to shout out later. Oh, okay, cool. Um, no, that's why I said I'm probably going to fuck up. Um, <laughs> Holy Moses, right? It's well, yeah, some, some of those, it's like uh, I did participate. I wasn't like a full-on band member. Right, right. Yeah, you know, like Autopsy, I wasn't an original member. I just did a few shows. But yeah, technically, but yeah, I was, I was involved with all those bands in one capacity or another. Nocturnal very- Hellstorm. Fucking love that band, dude. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Fucking, I don't know. The, I think it's like the hardest, craziest shit you've done. And that's saying a lot. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, man. All compliments. All love over here, brother. How you been? Oh, pretty good, man. Just uh, chilling here at home. I, the record store I look at had to, uh, we've, as you know, like in the whole world right now, there's been a few more problems with COVID. And because of that, our store had to uh, kind of chill out for about a week and uh, had some cases in there so they had to close the store and i had to get all fucking fumigated or whatever so i've been home for a few days i've been in quarantine and i will be off that on thursday i personally am healthy i tested negative it's just one of those abundance of caution things where they want to make sure and i can respect that yeah plus i got a really cool boss and she told everybody um no one's got to go on unemployment or nothing i'm going to continue paying you people you didn't do nothing wrong so um yeah yeah that yeah musically yeah i haven't been able to go to jam with the band i still play and blurring but that's okay because with the whole pandemic all our shows had to get canceled anyway so yeah it's weird when you're a band member now unless you're going to practice for a future recording you ain't got nothing on the plate right now right yeah, man, and it's it's fucked up because I mean, ninety percent of the people that I do have on this podcast are musicians, and I mean, I've spoken about it, and it's I mean, it, it holds true for everybody that we're all in the fucking same boat. I don't know how it, it, it I can only imagine what it must be for touring musicians and somebody is is so busy like yourself. It's got to be fucking, you got to be going a little crazy, man. No, 
well, I've backed off touring in the last five or six years. Intention. Right. I don't know if you remember that thing where I said I was retiring. Well, that didn't completely work out, but <laughs> I did make a conscious decision not to be out away from home so much anymore. A lot of that was just getting tired of traveling. Sure. Well, you get there, you're fine. But I was getting, you know, just, you've always heard about these horror stories about, you know, flights get delayed and mechanical problems. Well, when that shit happens when you're a touring musician and you can't make an obligation you have to do or you have to get where you're going and basically walk right on stage with no sleep because you had a crying baby on the flight that you were supposed to take the day before, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, ad nauseum. I was like, enough of this shit. So I had myself in a position where I got a full-time job at a record store, so I'm still right in the middle of the mix as far as, you know, with cool music. But yeah. I, like I said, decided I'm not going to tour so much. So it has not affected me as much as like friends of mine in bands like Himalation or Mayhem or other bands like that where that's their thing. They don't have a, a home job. So right. I feel worse for those guys. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, and you, you, you said it before, it's like you're, you're fortunate, as am I, as far as like with my job. You know, when, when the shit hit the fan with all this, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of Brooklyn and I work in midtown Manhattan. And when all of this stuff happened, it was like out of a movie. Like it, was, it would be like me and like eight people with, in sight walking through like Times Square which was fucking bizarre. I can imagine. I can only it, imagine. Was, it was crazy. And I never go live on the Facebook thing or anything, but I kind of had to just for people like around the country and friends of mine who live all over the place, because I felt like I just needed to document it. Cause if I, if I tried to explain to people wouldn't believe me, it was like out of a movie, like legitimately, but yeah. my bosses always paid me. Like I was going in every other day Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I would alternate with my boss and he would do Monday, Wednesday, Friday the next week. I would just work Tuesday, Thursday. But I always got paid and I didn't have to go on unemployment. So I can't say nothing bad about my bosses. Thank God. A lot of people aren't as fortunate. Yeah, yeah. People are looking out and that's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, we went to visit my mom a couple of times in uh, early March, right before it got brutal, and then again in the summer. And yeah, just seeing New York, the difference. Well, shit, the hotel rooms were cheap as hell. But yeah, man, I can imagine. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, it was just, it was pretty bizarre. I mean, there were more people on the streets when in July, but still, it was a marked difference, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, you're in a big transportation hub like Penn Station, and there's, you know, 20 people there. It's, it's fucking weird. Oh, yeah, right, literally right down the block from my job is the main entrance to Grand Central Station. And right. sometimes if it's like cold outside, like I'll walk from the 42nd Street train and I'll walk down, um, down 42nd Street and I'll dip into Grand Central and walk down underneath and I can get into my building where I work from there. And there's like literally like two people in the main concourse of Grand Central on like a Tuesday at rush hour. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Very fucking strange. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it gets better. I don't even know. I have so many opinions, but I've exhausted my opinions because at the end of the day, I don't know shit. You know what I mean? Hopefully it gets better before it gets worse. That's wishful thinking, I think. I don't know, man. We might have a vaccine and we also might, now we'll have uh, an administration soon that will be a little more proactive about that. So we'll see. Could be. We'll see. I hope so. I, I hope so. I, I only want the best for everybody, man. Uh, so now let's talk some music, man, if you don't mind. Oh, no. 
was was your what, extra hot sauce was one of your first bands. I wouldn't say one of my first. It was definitely early, the, early. Yeah, it was an it was an eighties band. Right. It wasn't first, but it was up there as far as you know, you know, bands I was in in the mid eighties, mid to late eighties. What what do you well? I, I always like to ask this because for some whatever reason. But do you, what was the first first band that you were ever in, regardless if you rec- if you released anything or not? Well, that would have been the band I was in in summer camp called White Heat. Nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody out there, if you've ever seen my biography, if you can't really get it anymore. There soon will be an ebook version, but uh, I go over all that shit there. That's not like me doing gross promotion. Like buy the book. I'm just right. saying. It's explained in there with pictures of me when I'm 15 playing bass. So, uh, nice. yeah. that was just hard rock, you know, got at my age then. This is, uh, we're talking about the extreme late 70s. Um, there wasn't a hell of a lot of metal around then. I had, did not know who Motorhead was at that point or Judas Priest, although right. those bands obviously existed. But, uh, there was no NWOBHM or whatever you want to call it by then. All that shit with Iron Maiden wasn't even up yet. So um, that's what I did then, which was Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, Originals. You know, that was the heavy shit to play then. Yeah, man. Did you grow up in like a musical family? Or was there music like always playing in the house or whatever? Well, um, there was always classical music on in the kitchen when we ate. And then my older sister, who's now my late sister, she got me into classic rock. You know, Beatles, Who, The Stones, and then the more heavier shit like Hendrix, Cream, the weirder off, you know, stuff like The Doors. Yeah, so yeah. between that classic rock stuff and the classical music in the kitchen, which all the classical music sank to my brain because of all the arrangements and uh, just the thunderous nature of it, which would uh, be utilized a lot later. Um, so. <laughs> Between all that, between the classic rock and then the classical music for the evil arrangements, uh, that kind of was my formative. That was very important for me. Yeah. I drink a little pink lemonade here, man. I'm, I'm having a little green tea. Cheers. So I know that there's a connection. Like you were, you were friends because I'm friends with Craig. Craig, sick of it all. So you were friends with like his brother or something like that. Yeah, me and his older brother Scott were the same age. We were in high school together, and then. Uh, Scott had expressed an interest in playing bass, uh, which didn't really go anywhere, but it was very important that I came over to try to show him because that's when Craig was there and Craig picked up on it. And uh, look where that went. So Yeah, ridiculous. One of my favorite bands and most consistent bands ever is Sick of It All. What yeah. a heck down. Ridiculous. Still to this day, just never stopped. Amazing band. Great yeah. guys, too. Uh-huh. Good old Queens. Yeah, man. Good old Queens. You were born in, born in Queens? Yes, sir. Also, so many bands out of Queens, man. Yeah, yeah. We don't have that cool hipster vibe like Brooklyn. I'm sorry. Well, listen, I'll never be a hipster. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I never lived in the trendy spots ever. <laughs> so, I you personally. I, just, I know. I'm breaking shops. I know. Look at Williamsburg now, dude. You can keep your fucking $8 goat cheese slices of pizza, man. Forget that shit. Yeah, they put like a little piece of like a little piece of basil on a funky wheat crusted thing and they want to charge you $12. I can't take it. Right, right. And they call it artisanal or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Queens, uh, yeah. Queens so far has uh, 
not been subject to all that bullshit because that's just in the rent, you know. I like IPAs just like everybody else, dude. I love fucking IPAs, but if you got to pay $12 a pint in some cool craft bar that, you know, you're waiting to get in for three hours, I'm not interested. I'll go to the fucking deli and go yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Go get a fucking six-pack of Bud Cans. I don't drink anymore, but I'd be happy anyway. I don't give a shit. So. <laughs> All right, so now I know, I know you're probably sick and tired of talking about it, but... I want. How did you? How did you meet the Anthrax guys? And we'll go quick, quick, fast through it because I know you're probably sick of talking about it. That, that's all right, man. I, I understand that people uh, want to know the history of all this stuff. They do. They do. I posted it, and they were like, "Sod Anthrax nuclear." So I was like, "Dude, there's so much more. There's so much more." So well, I figured that I got to just touch on these things for the fans, Dan. Sure, absolutely, man. And I, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the fact that people give a shit. You know, I mean, people still do big so, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't take that for granted, bro. You know. That's so, right. anyway, um, well, I met Scott Ian Rosenfeld in Bayside High School when uh we were on opposite sides of a volleyball net. Hmm. Yeah, he was a senior. I was a junior. He's a year older than me. And in Bayside High School, what they did was they had a big gym class. And the seniors and the juniors would oppose each other in volleyball and basketball. So whatever you played, you would play the team. So for us juniors, we play the seniors. And uh, Scott was a senior. And so, you know, in volleyball, you rotate, you rotate. Next thing you know, I'm right on the front left side of the net. I still remember. And opposite me on his side, on the front right side of the net was Scott. This little scrappy guy with half-assed long hair. All right. Now, this is, what, 1980 or something? So you're like, oh, shit, somebody with half-assed long hair. Look at that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't now in Metallica's and fucking car commercials or whatever. Oh, it's crazy, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we ended up bonding and talking and um, just we started off with neighborhood kids playing in the bands, one of which was Neil Turbin. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, yeah, it's just kind of, you end up progressing more, finding other people that are better suited to what you're doing. And of course, well, that eventually happened to me, but uh, that was for different reasons. But yeah, um, so it was really meeting Scott, and then me and him formed Anthrax and just uh, started combing through, getting members, you know, improving shit, getting Charlie. It was really like going outside the neighborhood. You know, Charlie was from the Bronx, and then Danny Spitz, he was from like Orange County, which is, yeah. Um, fucking by Rockland County and you know yeah. and you, the you, smallest guitar player ever uh, well I mean he was quite diminutive but you know that's yeah. why him never stood on the same side of the stage because that would have looked ridiculous <laughs> it would absolutely but yeah so that's pretty much how that happened okay. and an original member of Anthrax when we were kids when we were 16 was uh, John Connolly by the way who was just a singer but uh, he hadn't really got all the kinks out of his voice out at that point so it didn't work out at that early stage. Were, were you were you one of the guys in the early Anthrax band that were chasing Johnny Z around, harassing him to listen to your demo? Uh, yeah, I was definitely one of those dudes. Nice. We, uh, went to the, we went to the shows that uh, Rock and Roll Heaven put on, you know, and they brought like Raven and Metallica and Venom and Anvil and all these bands. Yeah. We'd see these bands and uh, we'd see Johnny Z. And uh, 
We only found out later that, you know, he could get out once in a while because he was still under fucking house arrest for tax evasion. Yes. I just recently had him on the podcast, which was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish I'd been on before him because then I would have said, just make sure he uh, tells me to give me that fucking 20 grand he owes me. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a round number there. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, well, see now that all right, I'll go on. I'm not gonna cut you off because then we go into another band, and I'll say something about not necessarily that, but it could be a reason. Go no, on. you could do. You could go on. I'm just I'm talking shit, so I wish I should. <laughs> all right, I find that hilarious. it's fucked up, but I find it funny that you just threw it out there like that. Um, so now, all right, so then SOD, you know, becomes SOD, and I was at the fucking infamous fucking Rich show. Morbid Angel Agnostic Front, S.O.D. Yeah, they made um, me to pick the bands. They said, Danny, pick the opening bands. Look, or get some of them crazy bands. Get one of them punk rock bands, one of them death metal bands. I said, okay. AF Morbid Angel. I was there, that fucking I remember that shit like it happened last week. Unfucking believable And, of course, you know, there's the dive off for the PA. And what's funny is that I started laughing once you said that about Johnny Z's because... When I posted on Instagram the, the the flyer of Johnny Z, I made like I guess the unfortunate mistake of tagging Billy Milano in it, and he was just like, "Yo, if if that motherfucker mentions anything about me, I want you to edit that shit. I hate that motherfucker." I'm like, "Whoa, all right," but he didn't mention him, so I, oh, yeah. I guess there's some kind of shit going on there. I'm not gonna comment. I'm just let's just say I'm not as fucking. Uh... Not as loud and emotional as Bill is about some issues, but uh, right. um, I'm on the same page. Right. Okay. I got it. That's why it's, I, I just had to bring that up. But um, yeah, so I mean, four records with SOD you did. That must have been a, a wild, turbulent ride now. Was it four? Well, well, if you want to count the live at Budokan. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then just some EPs and shit like that. Uh, yeah, SOD was. Kind of weird because it was never a fully functional band. It was just started off as a project, then it got huge. Then it kind of had to stop because it was getting too huge. And uh, other people in the main band, two of the guys were in, were starting to get a little peeved about it. And then we would do stuff once in a while, like the show you attended. And uh, yeah, um, we actually did get to do some proper touring right around the turn of the century. Yeah. We did our second full-length studio record, Bigger Than the Devil. Now, that was a good record, but it never had the impact of the first one because it didn't have that surprise attack right. in the 80s thing. But um, it was a fun band while it lasted. It was sure. just, yeah. It okay. was a nice little revisit, a little nostalgic when you did the, the little quarantine jam of March of the SOD. It was fucking awesome. Oh, right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, well, man. That was fucking great. Like a 2020 version. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw... Once you just figure out the technology, it's it's pretty easy. And I uh, saw so a lot of the comments there on those guys' YouTube channels, and people seemed pretty psyched about it. There's a lot of people, especially during this fucking pandemic, early in the pandemic, when there's a lot of, and I hate to say, uncertain times, like those stupid fucking commercials. With I, I, ha- I hate it, too. It's like, times are crazy. It's like, I hate, I give myself douche chills, too. Yeah, I know, but it did... Um. A lot of people said, you know, earnestly that when they were down, it really rejuvenated them, reminded them, made them, you know, a bunch of dudes in their 50s feel like they were 17 again. 
And if that's something that I can help accomplish, especially when people are down and bummed out and freaked out, then hey, I'm more than happy. Yeah, without a doubt, man. It's it's you know, and and not to toot my own horn either, but like I do this shit, and like I said, I'm consistent once a week, and I've gotten so many messages and like, dude, like you're helping me out with this, like I'm feeling shitty, I'm in lockdown, and you know, so. Listen, if 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 my babble and whatever helps somebody throughout the day, that's fine. I don't make fucking money doing this shit. I just I like to bullshit with people I respect and I dig their music. You know what I mean? I think you're doing a valuable service, man. Hey, I I, I guess so. It sounds weird to me, but I guess it's true, and that's fine. No, it's the same thing when people flatter me. I get all fucking like, yeah, dude, I'm just a musician. But I understand there's a part of me that knows that. I've been on lots of records that mean a lot to a lot of people. I just don't want to get to my head and act like a prick. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And and that's amazing. And you know what's funny is like it's a lot, a lot of people, which there was a few people that I've had on that I wasn't sure like how they would be. Like I wasn't sure. And it turned out like the nicest guys ever. You know what I mean? So it's cool that there's people, you know, people say, oh, you know, you don't don't ever meet your heroes or your idols, blah, 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 blah. But listen, I've had nothing but cool, positive experiences, man. So that's why I keep on doing it. And people enjoy it. So fuck it. Cool. Yeah, man. So now after, see, that's why when when I was texting earlier, there's so much and there's so much overlap and things were going on while this was going on with all of your bands. So so like after like SOD, well, Nuclear Assault was already a band at that point. Well, Nuclear Assault was already going when SOD came along. The sure. We were still in early 85 when I got the call from Scott to record the, to write and record the SOD record. Nuclear Assault was still finding our feet as far as me and John were still writing music and looking for the perfect lineup. That didn't happen until the end of 85. That's why Game Over didn't come out until October 86. Right. It it worked out well as far as, had I been busier with Nuclear Assault, it might have been more difficult to do what I did in SOD, which was, you know, go away for a weekend, write a bunch of music. You know, luckily, I managed to write music and still write music with Nuclear Assault, not run out of riffs or anything. And, um, yeah, nobody in Nuclear Assault gave a shit. They thought SOD was cool. Yeah. They, They didn't get envious when we started taking off like other people on other bands did right that's all i'm gonna say there all right we we could all just surmise um, yeah yeah everyone fill in the blanks kids you know um so yeah and it's, you didn't run out of riffs dude it's like fucking i don't even know how many records it's like a dozen like like 20 something records you're on at least at least well total like a oh, riff machine. Probably more, but yeah. I did all that. And also it's different genres. So you know, if I'm playing, if I'm writing riffs for Nocturnal Hellstorm, I'm not going to worry about, fuck, you know. Well, actually, that's ironic because I have these thrash riffs in that band. So you just speed them up a little bit. But the point being that there's been different band, bands I've played in or just helped out, and you didn't need your uh, thinking cap on for that. Right. It's a different thinking cap. You know, I get... Chris from Autopsy writes me nine months before Maryland Death Fest in May 2010. Nine months? Fuck, man, that's plenty of time. Send me what you want. I'll learn it. And I learned it. I just put my bass on track one, 
And they're recording on track two of my little thing that's like Pro Tools and just played along until I got it right. Then I record it, send it back to them. Go, sound good? And they go, oh, cool. I don't know. Never heard the bass on the original recording. <laughs> Makes it even easier. Shit. So now, brutal truth. Now, now, I mean, we you, you had all right, extra hot sauce, which was a fun band. Mm-hmm. I would guess controversial, whatever. But it goes to times, whatever. Um, you know, and then you have early nuclear assault and SOD for in like the, what was it like ninety ninety one ish where you played in Hemlock, something like that. Yeah, that was a little more the mid nineties. Hemlock formed in the early nineties, but that okay. was just. Uh, some of the other dudes. It was Brittle Truth that formed in 90. Right, okay. So now, what made you want to go to the grindcore side? Well, just natural instinct. Yeah. I never want to do anything. I do things because I have to, you know, because it just kind of takes hold of me, and that's, there's no other way. That's a weird description. No, it's not. I, I, compl- I get it. I get it. Yeah, I just kind of get possessed by something, and I have to do it. Um, but you know, to answer that in a more traditional way, I just been getting more and more into like super intense, the shit that was coming out on Erie, but I'm still playing a nuclear assault. Now it's getting toward the late eighties and I was just getting a little bored with thrash by then. You know, it was different than like six or seven years before that. Sure. Well, people see the eighties as like one big homogenous thing. But in reality, at the beginning of it, you had welcome to hell. And at the end of it, you already had fucking, you know, um, terrorizer. So yeah. uh, you got to realize that a lot of shit, a lot of stuff changed during that decade. Sure. It's interesting because uh, I'm currently in the process of writing a forward for a book about black metal from a guy from Argentina who wants me to write about that. So I was actually just thinking about the original era and how you had bands like Bathory that started off brutal and then they went Viking. Right. And Celtic Cross, you start off with raw fucking Hellhammer and then they're standing in the back of a record with their fucking zippers down eight years later. Like, what the fuck happened there? Yeah, yeah, what the fuck's going on? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. So the point being that, specifically with black metal, I was thinking about what an interesting period the 80s were, how things changed, you know? Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, like, I grew up as, you know, I found like, well, like, listen, like, my sister was all into the fucking hair metal and shit, so that was always, like, in the background. But then I found, like, Suicidal Tendencies and this and that, and I went to Lemoore's, and I went to go see Suicidal Lemoore's and White Zombie open. Leeway was in the middle, so that was, like, my gateway into hardcore, a perfect, like, crossover kind of band. That's where mm-hmm. I found hardcore and shit. But then... I wasn't too hip with like the earache bands at the time. Obviously there's no internet and shit like that. I mean, I've heard of them, but I didn't witness them live until I don't remember the name of the tour, but they played Lemoore's. It was, um, I was going to say nuclear assault, Nap- napalm, death, Godflesh, Nocturnus, grind crusher tour, grind crusher tour at fucking Lemoore's. Yeah. That shit was fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably 89 or something, I don't know. Yeah, it was probably 89. Yeah, it was like a band called Cyclone Temple, though I have no idea what happened to them. Nocturnus threw me for a loop because I'm like, where the fuck's the singer? And it's the drummer singing, which I thought was it blew my mind. Oh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike Browning. Cool guy. Are they, are they, still, are they still doing stuff? I don't even know. 
I am not totally positive. I thought I heard their name crop up recently, but I'm not sure. That might have been a re-release. Remember, I work at a record store, so. Yeah, I hear you. I'll let my cat eat over here. Your cat? Maybe after my cat has a little... Nah, she's a little squirmy. I'm going to let her do her thing. Yeah, why not? The cat has to eat, man. Yeah. Yeah, let the cat eat. Well, since you you mentioned that you work in a record store, I will do one of my quick sponsors, because this podcast is also... is 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 sponsored by Generation Records. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, man. Located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village in New York City. Follow them on Instagram at Generation Records and go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and there's the mail order stuff that you can get from there. But they've so far, they survived this pandemic. So if you have a chance, like I said, go visit the brick and mortar spot. It's been there since 1992. Shout out to Mark and Ron Grimaldi. Yeah, 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. Generation Records. Generation Records, 210 East Thompson Street, The Choice of a New Generation. Yes, sure. That's a brutal Truth song was called The Choice of a New Generation, so I'm making a pun. It was from the Pepsi song. We I made know, it, I know. We made it about weed, so. <laughs> yeah. That's my tie-in, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so now where, where does Exit 13 come into this mix? Well, Exit 13 is... Interesting bunch of dudes from the Harrisburg, Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. Uh-huh. And in the late 80s, very early 90s, there weren't many grind bands in the state, so we kind of all knew who each other were. You yeah. know, you count Repulsion. Repulsion was just fast death metal. They weren't the grindcore ethic. They were just more like singing about maggots as fast as they could. <laughs> right. Whereas... uh Brutal Truth, Exit 13, Phobia, you know, old bands like that back in the day. We considered ourselves, you know, actual grindcore influenced by some of these British bands. So we'd end up playing with each other and becoming really good friends. And then there was a point sometime in, a, in that period, early 90s, where um, the vocalist Bill of Exit 13 said, we've had a bit of a lineup shuffle and we're kind of fucked right now. We need a bass player and a drummer so we could record a record. So uh, me and the original drummer of X-13, of, of Brutal Truth, Scott, <laughs> we uh, said, hey, man, we'll help out. And then we did a few shows with them. And then when Brutal Truth got our second drummer, our final drummer, Richard, uh, after Scott uh, left, me and him also did an X-13 record. All this was actually, though, just jazz which is uh, jazz songs about weed from the 40s. So I played like a stand-up bass and everything. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking crazy shit, man. Fucking, I don't know, like, like, do you you ever get bored? (laughs) Are you ever bored? Oh, sure. Yeah? Yeah, then I just record stuff at home if I want. So you're in a bit, like, we'll go back and forth, but you're, you're, what's what's your current band? Blurred. I play in a band called Blurring. 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 Yeah, we play, I can't even describe it. It's just psychotic, blackened grindcore. Um, very, very intense, very, very atonal. It's like blasting 94% of the time. The things we do that are supposed to be chords are not chords. They're just weird things. And um, yeah, it's just not right. So it's beautiful. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's just not right. It's good, man. Do whatever the fuck you want to do and who cares? Yeah, people can check it out. We've got a Facebook, although I'm not on it. I don't do any of that social media shit. 
we have a Facebook, we got a Bandcamp, I think we have an Instagram or I don't know, some shit. See, I have to, I have to fucking search it because I have, I have, you know, there's, there's 18 bands like that I'm like in my head, but that one fucking, see, I knew I'd fuck up somewhere, Dan. That's okay. That's uh, <laughs> that's a current bands, and now especially with this pandemic stuff, we haven't done much lately. Although we are gonna be booking some studio time soon, and as soon as we get one more song down, going into uh, record some more shit. But our songs were all like two minutes long, but they still have 18 riffs in them. Sick. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, I got, I'm definitely going to, whenever we wrap up, I'm going to go fucking check it out. Now, a very odd band with another legendary dude with Shane Embury is Malformed Earthborn. Oh, right. With Scott Lewis, too. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, that was the left. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that came out of our mutual love for bands like Skinny Puppy and Coil, like weird electronic industrial dance bands. Yes. And we decided, let's do something like that. Let's try to put our own spin on it. You don't want to just do something and immediately just shit out something that sounds like somebody else. So you try to put your own stamp on something. But yeah, that was an unusual, weird thing because, you know, it wasn't straight up metal. It was just us expressing our desire to branch out a little bit. And do something that reflected our interest in music that, you know, was just still very heavy and intense. It just really wasn't metal. And Relapse Records just saw that and said, hey, we'd love to fucking release this. I think we might have just played it for them. And they were like, dude, do four more songs, you know, because it was done in two different sessions. We did one, side A in like 92, and I think side B was 95. So I think what had happened is we had done the first four songs, and they were just knocking around for a while. Then when Brutal Truth signed to relapse in the mid-90s, I think we might have just played that for them. And they were like, holy shit, you guys did this. Can you do some more? We'd love to have a full record. Yeah. Um, so, all right, did some more, something like that. I did, barely did, you, did you tour on that record at all or anything? Nah, that wouldn't have been a... That band wouldn't have functioned live because it was all just programming. And then one guy would play guitar on this song and then one guy would sing on that song. It would have been difficult to recreate that it would have been very difficult without so much shit being programmed that you just would have been standing there tapping your foot or something yeah who the fuck wants to you know i don't know yeah who the fuck wants to stand there and tap their fucking foot man well who wants to pay to see somebody tap their foot yeah yeah very true yeah, yeah he's he's done shane's done a lot of like oddball things like that one record that he did with luke from sick of it all blood from the soul yeah yeah different very different which is fucking cool Yep, so I remember those guys toured together, so they bonded about music and shit. Yeah, man. Now, how about Crucifist? Crucifist was the band I was in here in Rochester, New York, from 2004 to 2010. And that band came about because there is another band from here called Orange Room. Orange Room is a suburb of Mortar. Okay. Um, O-R-O-D-R-U-I-N. And Orange Room played... Doom, proper fucking uh, doom, you know, like influenced by the obsessed and stuff like that. Not the grunty death doom, doom, but, you know, the stuff with the dramatic clean vocals and shit like that. But the guys in the band wanted to play harder, faster, more intense stuff too, but they didn't want to bring that into Arjun. They wanted to keep Arjun purely doom, so they decided to seek another outlet for that. And... They were friends, good friends with the vocalist, Ron, who went on to, went on to Nocturnal Hellstorm with me, but now I'm getting ahead of myself. 
But anyways, those guys saw me at a Guar show huh. late 2004 here in Rochester, where I've lived for almost 20 years now. And they just said, when they told me later, they just worked up the nerve or something because I was that guy, Dan Lilker. But they were like, hey, you know, um, we're uh, into playing some pretty brutal shit. We're just kind of looking for a bass player. That's all. And then, you know, just whistled a little. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, I might be into that. And so that's how that came about. So Crucifist was kind of an interesting amalgamation because I had aspects of black metal, doom metal, thrash metal, death metal, all just kind of mushed in together. Then image-wise, we did like the old, most of us did the old kind of Sodom look where you just have to smeary black shit around your eyes. Yeah. Not like professional cradle filth looking corpse paint or anything. Right. Just like, you know, you just got fucking decked a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And, and some spikes. Our singer did the whole kind of King Diamond thing, but we weren't a pure black metal bands at all. So that's why we just kind of half-assed that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and we uh, just, yeah, enjoyed doing our thing, mixing those genres up. And it was let the Arjun guy step out a little bit and play some faster stuff. But uh, that kind of wound up around 2010. And Ron, the vocalist, and I went on to do Nocturnal Hellstorm because another band from here called Sarkis, that was a black metal band, had kind of fallen apart. And we kind of merged with those guys. So the guys from Crucifix and Sarkis, both of those bands had broke up. We merged and did Nocturnal Hellstorm. That's the which is fucking. Yeah. I fucking love. I love that fucking the um. Now I'm gonna fucking draw blanks. The dominance and persecution record's fucking ridiculous, bro. Oh, thanks. That's that, fucking ridiculous. That album cover was taken right here outside my window. Because, really? Yeah, everybody thinks that's just some Google image thing. You could show people later if you find the cover, but um. Yeah. It looks like some, you know, because it's a dude standing in a giant pile of fucking snow with a cape on and, you know. But here, we live in an apartment complex here as I look out the window. Well, when that had happened, it was because it snows a lot here. Wait, you were in Rochester? Yeah. So it snows a fucking lot. So (laughs) it's out the parking lot so people could actually drive in the parking lots and they made a giant pile of snow on the grass right outside our fucking window. That was tree lane, tree height. I'm talking fucking 20 feet. So we were here having a little party here at our crib, getting a little shit-faced. And uh, our drummer said, I'll do it. And, <laughs> and, dude, he scampered up a pile like that in a cape. Awesome. With a sword. <laughs> and fucking ran up there and fucking... And that's why you can see and we're all fucked up at the bottom, taking pictures of him and everything. And that's why he's... Holding that sword straight up like that. Yes. Yeah, because I was like, now pointed toward our enemy, Christ. And, he went, <laughs> and then we went, snap. And uh, yeah, people have seen that cover and said, what? That's not from Google? It's like, nope. That's no, that's how his shit-faced drummer on a pile of snow outside my apartment. Yep, in fucking the suburb of Gates, New York. Because we're all I there. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know later if you can bring up that image to show that to people or something. Yeah, definitely. I'll post it when I, when I this comes up. I'll I'll put that all in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the real shit, man. That wasn't yeah. some uh, picture, you know, Google pictures of people in Sweden in the snow. That shit was real. Right. I mean, yeah. to the point where we were wondering if our neighbors were going to call the cops. You know, there's a guy in a cape holding <laughs> a sword in a snow pile. Right. 
Yeah, it's like, you understand, we're doing a black metal album cover. Just mind your... You know, you understand this shit? Like, get get with it. (laughs) A black metal album cover. Right. We got more capes, so just watch the fuck out. That's right. Yeah. We got more capes. I worked at a party supply store, so I had all the capes I wanted. Capes all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Now, was there... All right, there's... Anthony Schiavo, the old drummer for Sub-Zero, and I believe still current drummer of the German band Exumer, right? Bassist. 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 Bassist? Yes. Bassist. Now, he had a side project, I believe, that you may or may not had something to do with called Terror of the Trees. I believe I uh, helped him uh, record that. Okay. Because I saw a post somewhere from Lou DiBella that he put this whole big long thing. It was it had to do with their first demo. And it was like this really long post about it. And he was like, Terror of the Trees, which Dan Lilka had something to do with. So I just wanted to know what that was. Because I never heard of it until I saw that. I think it was just basically that was uh, Tony's one-man band. So I just assisted him with some recording stuff. Helping him gotcha. get tones and then physically helping him like you know he's on the, sitting on the couch playing guitar i got someone's got to hit record you know? Shit okay. like that. and uh yeah um we had done hemlock records self-produced too as anybody who served lust for fire could probably tell um so that was just um helping out your bro nice mm-hmm. awesome you mind if i throw out another 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 sponsor real quick you go right ahead man are you a coffee guy, Dan? I am a coffee guy. Ah, you see, now this might be for you then. You like horror movies too or no? I do enjoy the occasional horror movie, Dan. All right, very cool. Dead Sled Coffee, you ever hear of them? I can't say I have. Oh, now you have, Dan. All right. <laughs> All right. Dead Sled Coffee. Um, you go to deadsledcoffee.com, and if you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast. You'll get 15% off your order, and any order over $40, you get free shipping. Now, what's cool about these guys is that they just signed the contract over, and they're doing a special brew with Robert Englund from Nightmare on Elm Street. They're doing a nightmare blend, whatever, and it's like licensed and all that. They've done a brew with the ska band, the Toasters. They've done a brew with the hardcore band from Pennsylvania, Wisdom and Chains, and they do all these like the Bella blend, which is Bella Lugosi and Vampire. There's a whole bunch of really cool shit that they do. And they're a little small little company and they're awesome. So they incorporate music and horror stuff. So if you're a coffee person, not just saying you, Dan, but if anyone's listening, Dead Sled Coffee on Instagram. And like I said, deadsledcoffee.com. Type in Brooklyn Blast. You get 15% off and free shipping over 40 bucks. I might look into that, man. Yo, it's it's... And I'm not even saying this because I was drinking their shit before they became a sponsor, but I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor, but I mean, that's all I drink. I mean, they have like cold brew and they even have like iced tea and shit like that, like all kinds of stuff. And they do like seasonal stuff every now and then. And I mean, everything from like a light brew to really espresso blends and all kinds of flavors and stuff, but they're really good, man. They're really good. I'm not a Starbucks guy. I'll drink a Dunkin' Donuts every once in a while, but Dead Sled is where it's at. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. Check them out. You know, tell them uh, Jimmy Ferrari from the uh, Brooklyn Blast Furnace sent you. You heard your dead sled coffee. Dead sled oh, coffee. Yeah, yeah, first. Now, I will, I will have to ask you about Venomous Concept because it's another ridiculous band. 
oh, well, that was more bands where uh, the band had already been existing for a while with a different lineup. But then uh, it was uh, Shane and Danny from Napalm, Kevin from Brutal Truth, and Buzz from the Melvins. And then Buzz couldn't really do it any longer. So Shane switched to guitar. And then they got another guitar player, our friend Johnny. So they could be a two guitar band. And I was invited to join the band to fill in on bass. And Shane moved over to guitar. So I was joined the band just in time to get credited on the Poisoned Apple record, although I'm not going to actually appear on it recording-wise. I made the credits. Okay. <laughs> I was on the Kick Me Silly record. I'm no longer in that band because uh, Shane ended up getting the hankering to play bass again, and therefore I was made obsolete. But uh, it wasn't like I was uh, tossed out of the band for doing anything wrong. It was just I no longer had a function. So. Right. But uh, but yeah, uh, shame because they fucking ban rules. Oh, thanks. Well, venomous concept. Yeah, it was just kind of fun, more like a little more on the D beat side of things. You know, with Shane, he just loves playing music, and venomous concept was a chance to musically and lyrically get away from uh, what was going on in Napalm, which is certainly nothing wrong. But Napalm is its own thing, and Barney takes care of the whole folk. You know, the outlook, the lyrical outlook. And you're known for playing grinds where Venom's concept you could stretch out, do a little more kind of like just DB, just sloppy ass punk rock, and just sing about whatever. So, yeah. uh, I mean, he did lock up for the same reason to play grind that was just more evil. I don't know. I also helped those guys out doing some shows. So, that's another yeah. industrial thing. Right. Now, like I said earlier, like, you know, I, you know, grew up, you know, listening to thrash and shit, but I'm like, I'm 45. So, Around when I was like 13, 14, obviously Headbangers Ball was a fucking thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that honestly was like probably, I don't know, probably, probably the first time that I ever heard Nuclear Assault, which was probably like the, the Brainwash video or something, probably. <laughs> yeah, but then, well, well, yeah, well, Brainwash was on Game Over, right? Yeah. No, Brainwash was on Survive. Survive, right. But then, but then after that was Critical Mass, which is probably the first ever quote-unquote lyric video with the bouncing ball. Right. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I thought was awesome, especially back then. And still, I, I watched it like two weeks ago. Again, I'm like, I looked at it, I'm like, it's probably like the first ever like lyric video. Like they were way ahead of their time. How was that like when, when that came out? Did that kind of propel nuclear assault into a different? Do you mean um, popularity-wise, touring-wise, maybe like sale, like you know, shit like that? We did reach a period where, by the time we had released Hansel with Care, we were probably at the top of our game. By the time we had put out Survive before that, right. and by then, yeah, we had definitely risen or whatever you want to call it a popularity more than like the game over plague days but that's also because as bands we were touring more we were gelling as a band as far as writing music and we were touring we were, you know we went to japan for the first time in 1990 it's just a result of just getting to travel more going to lots of places and just building up your profile you know i mean that's what you want to do i suppose you know you want to uh keep progressing and you know coming back and playing a bigger venue i mean it's 
it's weird to talk about because you know i just enjoy playing fucking music and everything but obviously yeah. you know it would be better you know the business side of it if you really even right. want to talk about that but yeah you want to be able to come back and play a bigger hall and you know headline that place next time and all that stuff but yeah around this survive hansel would care late 80s we i would say rose to the top of where we're going to go before it finally started going down again because i was getting bored with thrash and all that but that was more early 90s right but yeah um certainly having the videos and mtv and getting the tour europe regularly and then you know go to japan that certainly boosted our profile sure yeah man that was yeah. the first that was i'm surprised that was the first time well i'm not really surprised if you really think about it back then that was the first time you went to japan was on the handle with care tour uh, I think the first time was 1990, so yeah, it would have been. Yeah. And which I was only in a band two more years after that, but I did manage to go to Japan a couple of times with those dudes. I went back a bunch more times with Brutal Truth and then, you know, SOD, Venomous Concept, whatever. But uh, yeah, I did manage to uh, get Japan in, and yeah, that was intense. That was nuts. Yeah, how, how, how was it over there? I know it's always so much different over there. They, 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 it seems like they might appreciate it more. I don't even know if that's the right word. Oh, no, that's definitely correct. Well, there's this whole inverse ratio thing where the further you travel, the more people are glad to see you because they know you've come a long way. You know, you go to Australia, it's the same thing. You know, you go to New Jersey, they're like, yeah, I'll see you next week, whatever. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, Japan, as far as they, yeah, they really went ballistic because especially in that society where they're kind of like taught to like behave themselves and, you know, sit there with your fingers crossed at the table. So at the concerts, they didn't, when you played a big hall, all those kids had to like sit in their seats or at least stand in their seats. They weren't like running around pitting or anything like that. So, uh, of course, when you met them outside in the van, then, you know, all hell would break loose because the promoters didn't really want you to walk out in the crowd during the evening. They're like, please stay backstage. Don't go too crazy. And after a while, we'd start going, look, why don't we just, why don't you just let us go out in the hall and sign some autographs? So we could get it over in a logical fashion over the course of the evening, instead of going outside and then having to sign 500 autographs in a frenzy in 10 minutes while the van's leaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something, it's another thing though, but you got to respect. They're very about respect and honor there. So we don't want to come in and be these obnoxious Americans like, no, fuck you. We're not going to do that. So right. we dealt with it. And then, yeah, sure. Then there's like, 700 kids outside by the van and you got to wait through them. <laughs> yeah. Take you another hour and a half to get out of here now, but whatever. But whatever. Yeah. 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 You can't, you can't be like the jerk off American. Like, eh, fuck you. I'm from America. I'm going to do what I want. You can't do that shit. People have done that in Japan, but you know, they don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah. yeah. You know, just sit there and bitch about getting a fork at the restaurant. You, use the chopsticks, dude. Just fucking deal with it. Yeah. 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 Adapt. Right. <laughs> fucking figure it out, man. You know? There's other people that live on your block that would have to pay a lot of fucking money to go to Japan, to fly there, and stay in a hotel and eat. You're doing all that for free. So shut up and enjoy it. And you're supposed to be having fun enjoying the shit that you're doing. Yeah. Hey, don't be a pretentious asshole. I get it. I get right. it. So now there's another band real quick, the 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 Ravenous. Ah, yeah. Well, The Ravenous was just uh, way before Autopsy started doing stuff again around the turn of the century. Chris and Killjoy, they wanted to do a band that was kind of Autopsy-esque because at that point, Autopsy was never going to do anything again. So 
let's they wanted to play some rancid rotten death metal and they those guys were friends anyway because Kildra, you know, is from Necrophagia from Ohio, obviously. Obviously no longer with us, you know, rest in peace. But um the bottom line was I got a call very beginning of the turn of the century from either Chris or Killjoy, I really don't remember, just going, hey, dude, we're doing a band. We'd really like to have your fucking rotten bass sound in it. So I said, okay, sure. And um, that was the Ravenous. I'd got a pretty good budget from Hammerheart to do Assembled and Blasphemy, the first record. So I had been out wrapping up an SOD tour. Now, SOD tour had ended in L.A., this was a mini tour. Skin Lab is on the tour. They're a band from the Bay Area. So when the tour ended, I hopped in their RV. Fucking somebody handed me a pipe. And uh, six hours later, I'm in San Francisco and uh, stayed with one of the guys from Skin Lab for a few days. And then uh, went in the studio with the Ravenous. I remember the budget kicked in and we went to the nice hotel. That was nice. Awesome. Who's better than you? That's fucking great, man. What are you going to do? Yeah. Why not? Go yeah. fucking have fun. Now, Somebody had asked me to ask you, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. I got a message or a comment on something about if there's going to be a re-release or a Kindle version or an audio version of the book. Um, Full conversion, right? Yes. yes. 30 years and counting in the life of... A metal veteran. Uh, metal veteran Dan Lilka. Come on, it's a long one. You got to cut me a little slack. There's a lot of shit going on in my head. That's the subtitle, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's um, we haven't had any luck trying to get it repressed popularly, um, properly, I should say. Hard, co- hard copy. I'm getting inarticulate, man. Uh, but eh, whatever. the author has managed to figure out a way to have it released. I think there's going to be a couple of different ways you can get it. It's going to be one way through something. Okay, I really don't remember the name of the Insta something. Not Instagram, obviously, but there is a company. Press? No, it's Insta something else. Okay. But the point being that there's going to be an, an ebook version of this that will be, you know, on all the formats that people, you know, uh, read electronic books on. And that should be out soon. When it is, we will make sure and let people know. Because right now, you know, that's the only way we could get it out there. Like I said, the uh, the hard copy, we're going to have to work on getting it physically republished. But at least for now, there will be a version of it, albeit just an electronic one. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's because I actually, I Googled it a couple of days ago. And you can get it on Amazon. But... They're used, and I think like the like the the cheapest that I saw was like three hundred bucks. Yeah, that's a lot, man. Yeah, um, dude. I think some people just throw up those prices just to see if you know throw shit against the wall. But yeah, um, well, I mean, in a way, it's flattering. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll take it. But um, <laughs> hopefully, in some time in the future, there would be a real version of it again. But until then. Yeah, very soon, and we will make it. Uh, we'll make it. We'll do a nice, you know, publicity blast about it when you could get the uh, e version. The e version of the book. Yeah, because I'm not going to sit here and bullshit. I didn't read it, so I, I I need a copy of it somehow. Well, there you go, man. See, go fucking figure, man. All right. 
One more sponsor, and then if you want, we we can wrap it up. I just want to just touch on a couple of things, and we can wrap up if you want. I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna hold you hostage, Dan. <laughs> okay, let's do the sponsor and a couple more. Sure. New Republic Printing. Um, uh, obviously, screen printing, embroidery, stickers, and buttons. Go to newrepublicprinting.net. See now what the awesome thing about New Republic is, Dan, is that there's no screen fees, there's no setup fees. And if you get your order shipped to a commercial address, even if you're cool with the guy at the gas station at the corner and you can get it delivered there, it's free UPS ground shipping. Hmm. Nobody does that shit, Dan. Nobody. That is impressive. It's very impressive. I've used them for several things I've done for like probably about a dozen years now. New Republic Printing. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. But you're not on social media, so I'm just telling the kids to do that. New Republic Printing. Yes. With my voice again. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of the stuff you do in promos for them, I think of companies here where I live, but um, obviously it's a different city and far be it for me to, uh, to give you any competition. Right. Well, listen, if anyone needs anything, they're, they're, they're awesome. And, and like I said, I've been doing the pockets for a little over three years. I've used them for about a dozen years. So cool. it's not like I'm just pushing shit just to push it because they're a sponsor. No, no, no. Sounds like you have personal experience with them and uh, you would vouch for them. Yes, sir. 100%. Now, what, um, now this will go up on YouTube raw, just like how it is, how we started, how we end. And I usually just throw the actual raw video on, there's a Facebook group that I'll just play it on, but it will go up on all audio, you know, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. But Ooh. that's where the audio version I put on my little intro. And I have to ask you to name a couple of songs from whichever bands you want for me to tack on to the end of your episode. Bands that I've played in or just Yes, any- of course. No, your <laughs> stuff, dude. Your stuff. I know. Something I can't get in trouble for, because if I play a fucking stupid Metallica song, I'm going to get shut down. Something that I'll be allowed to play. Okay. Um, I choose Radiation Sickness from Nuclear Assault's Game Over record. Right. And, and now i got to write this so I don't fuck up. Radiation all right. Sickness. Give me a second to write that down. Radiation. I got it. I got it. It's a little quick chicken scratch. Right. And then we will also choose... From the first self-titled Nocturnal Hellstorm record, that's Nocturnal with a K, yeah. uh, the song The Trial. The Trial is our um, little fantasy of if you could put Jesus Christ on trial for all the horrors he's committed, what the trial would be like. And, you know, I want to have the dude with the big fucking white wig fucking getting in his face and everything. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's fucking great. So I, I, thought, man, I thought maybe you were going to pick, like, Tony's Dilemma. Oh, God. <laughs> no? Put that on there, too. Why not? I don't remember. Yeah? Tony's fucking Dilemma. Sure. I'm that song is hilarious, and I fucking love it. I'm not Extra hot sauce. Off, what is it? Uh, uh, what's Apple the name of the record? Death record. <laughs> I was never a good drummer. It was just fun. I just tried to play as fast as I could. Yes. Tony's Dilemma from Extra Hot Sauce. I'm fucking putting that, man. Sure, why not, man? You get a dealer's choice. That's great. So I was going to ask you, like, the stupid hacky question, like, what, what, what else you have coming up? But 
I mean, uh, I'm gonna go in my room and smoke some weed. There you go. I don't smoke anymore, so fucking smoke a bat for me or a fucking a bowl for me. I shall. My man. Well, listen, Dan, I appreciate your time, dude. Is there anything you want to fucking say or touch on or anything before we, you know, I don't want to cut you off. And because I know as soon as I shut this off, I'm going to be like, fuck, I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about that. And that happens all the time. Um, I cannot think of anything in particular, because as you did point out, there's really not that much to promote. If I go, hey, you know, I got a show coming up, come on down. But unfortunately, that's not a reality. Um, well, on Black Friday, there's going to be a reissue of Anthrax's Soldiers of Metal 7-inch as a 12-inch now. Wow. They took some stuff from when Anthrax first went to Germany. I wasn't in the band then. So they can put a few more songs on it and make it a 12-inch. That's going to be a Black Friday exclusive release. People might want to look out for that. I think there's only a 1,000 of those because it's a regional thing. But um, we're going to have plenty of them up here at the Record Archive here in Rochester, New York, because the Record Archive is the place to go. There you go. um, Do you hear that, kids? No, that's our little motto. Um, But anyway, yeah. So that's the only thing I could think of. It's like something to promote that I'm involved in. All right. Well, also, we'll check out Blurring on Bandcamp and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll give you a migraine, but check us out. Yeah, listen, ain't nothing wrong with a migraine. Everybody gets a migraine every once in a while. It builds character, Dan. It's for a good reason, too. It's the fucking, the atonal. You, you know, there's just notes that should never have been played together. Exactly. It's like the music of Eric Zahn by H.P. Lovecraft. Right. Yeah. Right. Dude, like I said, I appreciate your time. You're very welcome. You're, you're one of the people that, honestly, I say, I say this a couple times, you're one of the people that I've been wanting to have on for a long time. And also one of the people that when I started this thing like three years ago, I didn't think I would be able to have a conversation with you. So. Hey man, I'm here. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I know I've done lots of cool shit, but I am not uh, some fucking stuck up rock star. You know, fucking I'm, amazing. I'm completely cognizant of the fact that I would not be able to have done all the shit I've done if nobody cared. So the last thing I'm going to do is be an asshole to people, you know? I mean, uh, I don't take shit for granted. And I appreciate the fact that you're doing this. Awesome. It made a more fun evening for me. Hey, and hey. my wife and the kitties. And uh, yeah. There you go. And thank you to Howie Abrams for putting me in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Howie. Absolutely. Listen, my man, go, go smoke one for me. And uh, I'll, I'll hit you up. I know that you're not on social media, but I'll email you the flyer just so you, in case you want to see the flyer that I make for you. Oh, no, go right ahead, man. I will spread the word. You awesome. tell me about the air date and all that shit, and uh, I'll make sure people check it out. Awesome. I appreciate that big time. All right, dude. Thank you so much, Dan. All right, man. You take it easy. Be good, brother. All right. See you, man.
Gaming.